through these connections, meeting all these different people, I actually met someone who reached out to me and was like, hey, Christine, when are you coming to Spain? Because my friend has an opportunity in Madrid in an intellectual property firm. Are you interested? This is what happened to me. And I was like, yeah, yeah, please connect us via WhatsApp. We connected via WhatsApp, we chatted, and then my information got passed on to a phone interview. It didn't progress past a phone interview, but my experience is actually quite unusual for a lot of the forums that I read. A lot of people don't even get that far, especially not on their own. It's possible but you have to be strategic about what you're doing. It's the same amount of work. It's just one actually produces results and the other one doesn't. And that's the difference. Hey everyone, welcome to Flourish in the Foreign, the podcast that elevates and affirms the voices and stories of Black women living and thriving abroad. This podcast centers Black women and also explores living abroad as a pathway to wellness and wellness in all of its many forms, financial, professional, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. Welcome to the show and welcome back if you are returning. Hello, hello. I am Christine Job, the host of Flourish in the Foreign and also a Black American expat living and thriving here in Barcelona. I am not only the host, but also the creator, the producer, and just generally the everythinger of this here podcast. And, you know, this podcast truly is a labor of love, but, you know, labor. Nonetheless, and that is why I'm asking you all to please support this here podcast. Now, there are five ways for you to support Flourish in the Foreign. The first one, become a Patreon supporter of Flourish in the Foreign. Go to www.patreon.com slash flourishforeign. The second way you can support this podcast is by Cash App. You can cash app the podcast at dollar sign flourish foreign. And Cash App is kind of like a tip jar. So if you're listening to an episode that really moves you, it really just inspires you or helps you out or just entertains, you can go ahead and slide the podcast a couple bucks via Cash App. And it's also a really great way to contribute to the podcast if you're not ready to make a ongoing monthly commitment. So go ahead and cash up the podcast again at dollar sign Flourish Foreign. The third way you can support Flourish in the Foreign is by placing an ad within this podcast or sponsoring an entire episode of Flourish in the Foreign. So if you have an organization or business that's in alignment with this podcast and you would love to get in front of an incredible audience of ambitious, educated, and internationally minded women, go ahead to Flourish in the Foreign's website, www.flourishintheforeign.com slash contact and drop me a line and I'll send you over the rate sheet. 
The fourth way you can support this here podcast is, of course, by sharing the episodes and sharing the podcast with your network. It is so important to share this podcast across your social media channels. Your personal recommendation is worth so much more than any marketing that I can do. So please continue to share the podcast and, of course, tag the podcast at Flourish Foreign across all social media channels. The fifth way you can support Flourish in the Foreign is by subscribing to the podcast, giving the podcast five stars, leaving a review, and also following the podcast across all social media channels. I really enjoy reading the reviews of this podcast because it just really affirms the amount of work and effort I put into this podcast and give to you guys. You know, this is a one woman show and it's tough sometimes. It really is tough to get an episode out some weeks, but I make it happen because I know that there are people who are listening and wanting to hear these incredible stories. And so when you leave a review, it just warms my heart. So please keep them coming. And I'm going to read another review. The next review comes from AJ Worldwide. And AJ writes, refreshing voices and valuable advice. This is what we need right now. Intelligent globe-trotting women sharing their wisdom in an approachable way. Funny and informative. Thank you so much, AJ Worldwide. I appreciate you writing the review. And again, if you haven't written a review for the podcast, please go ahead and do it. I love them. They really, really make my entire week when I read them. So go ahead and do that. All right. I just gave you all five different ways to support this podcast. And I hope you have chosen at least one way to support Flourish the Foreign today. This next message is brought to you by the Democrats Abroad Global Black Caucus. And I actually just recorded an episode of their podcast with them. I will let you guys know when it goes live so you can check it out. And so the Global Black Caucus asked me to share this message with all of you Americans who are currently living abroad. It is not too late for some Americans who live abroad to request their absentee ballots. But the deadlines are quickly approaching and some of them may have already passed. So if you are an American who has not yet voted while you are abroad, please visit the nonpartisan website votefromabroad.org now to either complete your ballot request form so that you can return it to your local election office in the USA, or if you do not have enough time to return your ballot to your local election authority before the deadline, you can vote immediately by the backup ballot known as the Federal Write-In Absentee Ballot, or FWAB. In addition, trained volunteers from Democrats Abroad are available on Zoom every Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday until the election to offer one-on-one -on -one help and to answer any questions about voting from abroad in real time. So if you have not yet voted, please go contact one of the volunteers that are on Zoom and figure out how you will be able to vote in the upcoming election. You can get more information on this by going to www.democratsabroad.org slash global underscore voter underscore assistance. 
on to the episode. This episode is real different. It is. It's a little bit of a mashup of past episodes because what I've noticed is that the constant refrain I'm getting from a lot of you is really wanting to know how to land a job abroad, how to make it happen. And I ask all my guests how they support themselves abroad, and many of them have many different ways in which they do it. And so I thought, this episode would be really helpful for those of you who's just not really sure about how to make it happen. I've created somewhat of a mashup of some of the different guests I've interviewed talking about how they landed their jobs abroad or how they created their own opportunities abroad. And I really think it's going to be very, very impactful because sometimes, you know, you're listening to the episode and they're sharing so many different amazing stories about how they're living abroad. Maybe you didn't actually catch how they support themselves abroad. So I really feel that this episode is going to be a game changer. If you are not sure sure how to support yourself to go abroad, or maybe you're trying to pivot and go into some other direction so that you can thrive while you're abroad. Listen up, because this episode breaks it all the way down. So let's start with Barbara. Barbara of Going Global with Barbara, her episode about living in Jordan was phenomenal. But as some of you may know, Barbara is not only an entrepreneur, but she's also an international talent acquisition specialist. Okay, so she knows how to get a job abroad because it's her job to place people abroad. So if you didn't catch her original episode, you'll definitely want to go back and check that out. And Barbara actually has a bonus episode that I've opened up to the entire audience for a limited time in which she actually digs even deeper about very specific actions you can take, websites you can go to to help you land a job abroad. So if you haven't checked out the bonus episode, be sure to go do that as well. But I'm going to let Barbara kick us off and tell us exactly how to start. There are a number of ways that people in the U.S. can look for international opportunities. You can start with LinkedIn. Watch a quick YouTube video on Boolean search strings if you don't already know how to do it, which is to build a search string that will connect things like international, um, recruiter, or location, and your keywords about your career field. Build a search string um, phrase and you will be amazed. Uh, you will get a list of recruiters that may be staffing projects or have staffed projects in the past. You can shoot them a message and say, hey, I'm interested in going to this location, or I see your company just won a big contract in Europe, in Italy. I'm interested if for any openings that you may have uh, coming available. There's some research involved. That's one way of using LinkedIn to your advantage. You can use the jobs uh, tab on LinkedIn but searching for recruiters and companies that are staffing positions is a more advanced way of doing it and can also be really effective. I do, as a recruiter, get emails from people that have run these searches, they follow the news about uh, contract awards, and they reach out to me. They know that the company won something and they want to be considered early on, and I add them to my database of people. 
that I'll potentially communicate with saying, hey, the jobs are posted, please apply, those kinds of things. Reach out to recruiters that operate in the spaces that you're interested in. The other thing is good old-fashioned usajobs.gov. You can build search alerts, job alerts, using keywords. Again, use effective keywords. Don't use too broad a terms. Narrow those down. Don't put necessarily education. If you're an English teacher, put English teacher or put teacher plus English plus the country that you're interested in. Build effective search strings and effective job alerts for yourself. And it will help you get those weekly or daily updates on new positions that have been posted. Those are two really good ways. The third thing to do is there are a number of large agencies that staff overseas opportunities, specifically in education. Search Associates is one. Connie Sandow is another one. There are some staffing agencies, again, takes a little bit of online research to identify them, but you can create an account with an international placement agency. There is usually a small fee associated with that because you're basically doing an advanced interview. They interview you, you provide your resume, your transcripts, your background check, your medical, anything that they require to place you. Once you go through that process and you're in the system and they begin to share your information with dozens or hundreds of potential employers, you begin to get interest. And it's kind of one-stop shopping for a lot of um, schools and higher ed institutions overseas. Speaking of higher ed institutions, perhaps you are interested in going abroad for your master's as a way of getting your foot in the door in the local job market upon completion of your degree. I think that's a great idea, but be sure you understand the work culture and the job market climate of your intended country. Up next, we have Annabelle, who left Jamaica to go to Japan. And while she was in Japan, she earned her master's in architectural design. And then she went about the process of finding and landing a job with an architecture firm in Tokyo. It was not an easy process to say the least. I'm going to let Annabelle tell you all about her experience. The process for applying for jobs here is extremely strict and regimented on the timeline. And you start applying for a job in your first year of your master's. You don't apply after you graduate. You have to start a year before or a year and a half before. And there's all these processes that the companies make you go through. Like um, first round, second round, third round, just vettings, 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 interviews, seminars, training, all kinds of things leading up to more serious interviews and then a second interview and a third interview and so on. And I had no clue about any of that. And that's another thing that like, I, I can only speak from my university, but I feel many foreign students have complained about the same thing where Japanese universities don't understand how unique that process is to Japan. If you come here to study, they're not going to know to advise you. The time is just going to pass you by and then it may be too late for you to try to get a job here. Understand how to get the job at the firm. I needed to set up a sort of account before applying and then through that account, they give me notifications like, okay, send in your resume now, send in your portfolio now. The interview will happen on this day at this time. Everything was supposed to happen through that account. Finally got that figured out. And then when I did, 
it was a lot easier after that, but then getting the job itself, no, was still <laughs> pretty hard because like Japanese firms, they're kind of letting go of this, but they said in the, one of the notifications that your resume has to be handwritten because it's cultural here. They feel they can know something about a person through their handwriting, about your character. I'm like, oh my God, okay. So I had to write out two pages of resume in full kanji. My hand was just locked up because, of course, I had to practice writing it to make it look good. And I was just writing it for a month. And my, my hand just seized up after, like, I couldn't do anything with it for a while. But I finally got a presentable looking version of the resume. And that's the one I sent in with my portfolio. And any architecture student will know you have to have a good portfolio. By the time I got to the interview, when I walked into that interview, I wasn't trying to impress them. I wasn't being fake, which is very hard to do in Japan, but I wasn't being fake. I wasn't being anything other than just, I'm here in this room, take it or leave it kind of thing. And I think that that helped because it was a long time since I'd seen Japanese people be that warm to me. I left the interview, got on the train, went back to my tiny broom closet of an apartment and I literally shower put on pajamas, ready to sleep because I just don't want to think about anything. And then the email comes less than two hours after the interview's finished, got the job. I was like, what? It was so fast. And then after the interview, another stress load came when they start sending you all of these documents and contracts to sign. And it's just pages and pages and pages of Japanese. And I'm like, please don't do this to me. And I had to comb through all these pages, just days and days of making sure I fully understand this contract, signing, sending them stuff. And then when you sent that stuff, no, it's not over. We needed that signature to now ask you to sign this. And then it was just a month of paperwork, paperwork, paperwork. And then I finally got to start my job about a month and a half after the interview happened. So if you're considering going abroad to earn your degree and enter the job market, definitely be sure to do your research and understand if there's some cultural differences and processes about landing a job after graduation, because you definitely don't want to be surprised. Now we have Kelly and Kelly took her expertise and love of social work abroad to both England and Italy. And a lot of times people don't necessarily know that they can go abroad in their career field, especially one like social work. But here, Kelly really breaks down how she did it and how you can do it too. Social work is not a fancy, smancy, high paying job, but you can go abroad as a social worker. You just need to find contracts, particularly if you connect to the Department of State, the military. The military and the Department of State are two easy ways to get overseas on contracts connected to them. And it's easier than even going with the government. And it's less rules attached to it. It's less competition. And it'll get you over there easier. And then if you want to transfer to the government while you're there, you can. It's much easier. The other thing that's easy to do is the Peace Corps is usually easy to get through as a civilian attached to them. That's what I recommend doing. And there's a couple of companies. You just Google overseas social work. They will connect you overseas psychology. 
any of those things. And it makes it really accessible to people who think that that's out of reach for people who don't already have a, a kind of fancy high paying job. Next up, we have Deanna and Deanna moved to Hong Kong with her family. And when they landed, they knew they're going to have to be a two income household. So Deanna set out to find a job, but she initially had trouble landing a job. Here she explains what were the differences and what were some of the obstacles she had to overcome to land a job in Hong Kong. I would try to go for job interviews, but no one was hiring me because I was very American. But to the point where like there were certain things like how to set up their resume for here, how to format it, even what size it needs to be or what to say was it was foreign to me. No pun intended, but it was it was foreign to me. I didn't know how if and not for lack of trying. And so I just wasn't getting job offers. I was getting a bunch of freelance stuff, but not a lot of job offers. And so I, there was a point where my husband was like, look, either we find a job for you in the next month or we have to probably go back home because we can't afford it. And so at that point, I was also freelancing for that music learning center that I had visited the first week that we had gotten there, um, just doing some marketing stuff. And I was like, hey, do you guys have a permanent position open or anything? Are you hiring? And the, the owner was like, actually, yeah, we're opening a new center and we we're looking for someone to do marketing. And so I was like, oh, shoot. Yeah, me right there. And so that week I interviewed with them just to have a conversation of what that would look like. And they hired me and then I negotiated the salary and I, I just, I prayed on it and I prayed on it and I prayed on it and I was like, look, God, I, I can't have a low salary here because, well, relatively low. I just knew how much we needed to survive and so that's what I prayed on and asked for. And when I went into the interview, that's how much I asked for to be paid and they were like, no, we can't afford that, so no. Then I told them, like, okay, well, just come up with some kind of creative compensation and, you know, I'm sure you guys can figure it out. And by lunchtime, they're like, okay, never mind. Yeah, we'll just give you that salary. It's fine. So I got a job that I really liked. And because it was a learning center, my daughter could also go to work with me on some days. Next up, we have Valerie. Now, Valerie left her corporate finance job in California to move to Australia to play professional basketball. But when her basketball career ended with a career-ending injury, she knew she needed to do something else and pivot. She decided to really go at it alone and figure out what she wanted to do. And her ambition, I think, is such a lesson to us all, really about how to make something out of nothing. She also explains how taking your work ethic abroad is definitely, definitely key. It is a distinguishing factor sometimes, especially if the work cultures are quite different from your home country's work culture. It can be an advantage. Once I was able to walk, I decided to make my own way rather than hoping that someone could help me. I brushed up my resume and I started walking around to places that I felt would be helpful in my evolution. I walked into like a not-for-profit organization that focuses on the holistic um, approach to sports for young athletes. And I really liked that concept. 
It wasn't the sports part. It was the part that they believed in a co-created project and empowering young people. I went in there and I said, I'm not even looking to get paid. I'm just looking for an opportunity. She told me she didn't have any openings. I'll take your resume and I'll let you know. The next day she called me and she's like, I've never met anyone like you before. And I just felt I can't miss out on this opportunity. So I want you to come and work one day a week. I I like to give 110% when I do things. I do think it's important to try to give it your all wherever you can, just because it's your work. It's a representation of you. And because of that, I ended up kind of um, doing more than what my coworkers liked. And eventually they ended up slowly leaving and then I ended up getting more hours and eventually the last person left because they didn't like that I was doing so much and then I ended up getting a full-time job. I will say that the CEO, I approached her about being my mentor. You always want to be around people who are thriving, seriously. I, I, I don't believe in this whole thing of like being jealous of someone for doing really well. I think you can be inspired by their own radiance rather than feeling like you have to compete against it. So the CEO is just like this radiant South African woman. I just asked her if she could be my mentor. And I said, I want to be a CEO like you. Like, can I have some of your work? Sounds pretty crazy to ask someone for some of their work. Usually we try to do less work. But I thought that was really important in my own personal development. And she believed in me so much that she risked her own job to get me permanent residency here in Australia. And so um, because of that, we're still really close to this day. Now we have Jules who landed a job in Iceland and her experience of not only landing a job but working in Iceland and I think her experience working abroad is such an important lesson in having work-life balance even while working abroad. A big part to me of job searching, whether it's abroad or in the United States, has always been to follow up. And if you want the opportunity, actually pursue it and don't just wait for them to come to you. I would regularly, after getting you know my application in on time, I would follow up via um, email, or if I could call them, I would. And I was getting responses. I mean, sometimes it would be like, oh, we decided to go with this other candidate, or we're looking for whatever else. And it was, that was fine. As long as you're, you know, getting an answer. Of course, it's always harder when you don't know. And finally, though, we found a job. Uh, I was quite lucky that tourism was booming in Iceland and they need and needed at the time to have foreign influence because they don't have the same types of people doing digital marketing or they don't really have like an emphasis on it here in the country. They're building kind of that curriculum more where people are going out of the country to get that education, but there aren't enough people who can provide that type of value. It's has created a space for foreigners to come in for sure. The next day after I landed, I went straight to work and I purposefully did this. And that helped me because I am one of those people that even though I want to feel I belong, I need to have a purpose when I get someplace. Some people, they need to relax and absorb the atmosphere and whatever. No, me, I want to feel like there's something I'm literally working on. There's a goal right now. And my goal was to come in and make a difference for this company, to get to know them, what their needs are, how I can add value as much as possible. And what's crazy is that in 2016, Iceland had one of the best summers they'd had in a long time. But I was too busy working (laughs) and not realizing that when summer is good in Iceland, you take advantage of it. 
or any day actually is good. It's good. If you're having decent weather, you take advantage of it. And the people in the company, I used to think they were really lazy and I'm coming from New York attitude. So, you know, you have to remember this of like, you just got to get it done. And also summer exists all summer. Whereas here it can feel like fall and summer and winter all in the same day in a summer month. If it's feeling like summer, you should just go outside. And people were doing that. They would come into work, leave at two o'clock in the afternoon or whatever, and I'd be there till six or seven. I wasn't aware. And people were trying to tell me, but I wasn't listening because I was hell-bent on doing work and providing some type of value that I kind of forgot to be a person a little bit. Okay, next we have Aitia, who left the Bay Area to go on a whirlwind, literally around the world, to figure out where she wanted to live. And she decided on Australia, and her initial idea was to start her own business. When things got a little bit complicated, she decided to go back into her career field, which was in construction. And she tells us how she landed a job in construction in Australia. It was primarily between job boards, job boards and recruiters. So, and anyone that I could find that knew someone who knew someone. (laughs) I'm not shy. I'm very willing to put myself out there and saying that this is what I'm looking for. Seek.com is a, seek.com.au is a big job board that's here indeed as well. I had some connections in the States with some people like so for like Jones Lang and LaSalle. I was like, hey, do you have anyone that I can, that you can put me in touch with um, here in Australia? Reaching out to existing contacts with that. But how I ended up actually finding my job was through a recruiter. And I was paying attention to the job boards and seeing which recruiters, which companies were um, putting out the kinds of jobs that I was interested in. And then I'd contact those recruiters directly and say, hey, this is what I'm after. A job that I applied for that job wasn't the one that the recruiter thought that I'd be. He, he basically was like, hey, there's another job that I think you'd be even like, more suited for. And he put me forward for that. I will say, like, I very much had to negotiate the terms myself, or rather I felt more comfortable to negotiate because this is not really a culture where people push for things. I may, I don't know if it's my New York ways or whatever, but I'm not someone that takes no very lightly. So... I had to definitely negotiate my salary and definitely prove that I had the experience because there was a lot of translation, although we're all speaking English, there was still translation of titles and experience that I had to do, like literally at times drawing on a whiteboard for them to understand the experience that I had. And I had to negotiate the terms of me you know, being sponsored by them as well, because at first they were only going to offer a six-month position. And I was like, no, I need a full-time position and I need you to sponsor me. <laughs> like, but those are all things that I had to negotiate myself. The recruiter wasn't willing to put me forward for the amount that I said that I wanted to be put forward to. So I was like, please step aside. Thank you for getting me in the door. I will finish this. Thanks. <laughs> Definitely confidence is key. Making sure that you are your best advocate is definitely key as well. All right. Up next, we have Carla. And Carla has been an expat for the past 10 years, has lived in five different countries, and has been a career professional in higher ed throughout it all. And Carla actually has a business helping career professionals, other career professionals, land jobs abroad and prepare for that transition. Now, full disclosure, 
After Carla recorded this episode for the podcast, she actually became a business strategy client of mine. So I just want to disclose that. But now here is Carla. You can go through a search firm if they are recruited for a position that you're interested in, but there are various opportunities that are posted publicly that you follow the trail, the application process, the interview process, and land a job. That's how I've landed all my jobs. I would say this, be very careful about agencies that are asking you to pay them up front. Research them. How reputable are they? What is their rate for placement? Things of that nature. Who's paying that money? Are you paying that money? Is the organization paying that money? Do your research. Look at more than just salary. I think people tend to just say the salary, the salary, the salary. No. Look at the benefits. What is the insurance? Is there a housing allowance? Is there a car allowance? Are there other allowances that they provide you that adds up to the overall package that is very sustainable for you or your family versus looking at just the cash amount? Especially when you're working in, for example, emerging countries, your cash salaries are not going to be the digits you may want them to be. But are there other things that compensate, such as a low cost of living, such as they provide you housing, such as they are paying for schooling for your children? What are the other things that you have to look at to figure out, is this workable for me? It's, it's not a one size fits all when it comes to offers and packages. Whether you are solo, whether you're a family, what's the cost of living in the country, For example, Singapore, the cost of living, it's relatively high for expats. The most expensive commodity is housing that you're going to spend money on. Does your package include housing? Does it not? If it doesn't, does your salary is equivalent enough that you can find an an appropriate housing accommodations for your needs? And that means solo or family. Sometimes you have to make sacrifices in order to move to the country you want Whether you're fresh out of college or you've been working for a little while and you want to take the leap, prepare. Make sure that you are mentally ready. You have a mindset to live abroad. Find an expat coach who can help you because that's what we do. We help you get prepared. There are things that we can share with you that you may not think of, whether it be on the job search end, whether it be on the coping skills or transition and whether it be about immigration and visa. And um, we know things because we've either lived in the country. We know folks in the country. We have resources that we can tap into. Find folks who are abroad to help you make your journey. The phrase is, I'm supposed to make it easier for the folks who come behind me. Part of that is let me coach you. Part of that is let me get you connected with someone who can help you. And that includes making sure your resume looks right. It speaks international, (laughs) things like that. What we want you to do is to make the leap and do well. We want you to not just survive, we want you to thrive. And in order to thrive, you have to do it right. It doesn't mean you're not going to have bumps in the road. You're not going to have challenges. You're not going to be frustrated 
but it means that you're mentally prepared to outlast that challenge, that obstacle, because you've spent some time doing preparation. Yes, I completely agree. We want everyone who's listening to not only get abroad, but stay abroad and to thrive abroad. But in order to do that, it really requires you to be committed to the process and to really step out of your comfort zone in whatever way is necessary to make that happen. We have Nyanna next, who was the very first guest of this podcast, who I think brilliantly lays out what you gotta do to land a job. And a major hint is not just always submitting your resume and being done. Oftentimes, you really gotta go after it. But I'll let Nyanna explain more. Be on your grind. Think of ways to make money and know your worth. People come here and they're like, well, I don't have any experience doing. Girl, don't leave with that. Be like, yes, I do that. And I do this. And in the meantime, go on Google and figure out how to do those things. And then do it. I think you always need some foot in the door. You have to be resilient in the way that you're willing to do it in. You know, if if you are okay with teaching... If you're coming to Spain, go the teaching route and, and become an auxiliar. There are many programs that will give you at least that first year so you can kind of like take the pressure off of trying to find the work and you can kind of enjoy your life because you have a very good work-life balance. Do that. If you are like, no, teaching's not for me. I want to be in, say, marketing then yeah get online and try to connect with people who are already living in spain and doing that and you can do that through linkedin through meetup but here's the reality how's your language skills like what else do you got underneath just i have a marketing degree that's not enough are you willing to learn spanish are you currently in a program then lead with that while you're applying and i'm in the process of learning spanish or i've got an a2 and i'm working on my b2 certificate it's not going to be just filling out your resume and applying you're going to have to find another in to the job it's not going to be your traditional pathway you've got to kind of create your own path going out and meeting people and being awkward and uncomfortable just because you need to make some connections. You've got to figure out where you're missing and how you can get in and you got to attack it from all angles. It's not going to be A to B. Nothing about living abroad is A to B. But if you are resilient and you hustle and you're always trying to make it to whatever goal you have, that's the kind of energy you got to bring to make it long term because... I applied online. That ain't, that's not how you get a job. That's not how I got my job here. I didn't just apply online. I called a recruiter in Dutch and I had only been here a couple months and I asked in Dutch if they spoke English and the guy was so happy. He was like, of course I speak English. And then I said, well, my, I had a fake question about a job posting and they placed the number. So I made up a question to ask. And the guy was immediately like, oh, please send me your resume. I'm ready. Oh, please. I want to, I want you to apply to this job. And I ended up getting the job. And now I work for them. Uh, I have a one-year contract with them. So I didn't just put in my application and uh, hit send and hope that I get the job in the Netherlands where they speak English. 
I took a chance. I need to do something more drastic. I need to call directly. And Dutch people don't really do that. So I use that to my advantage. For me in the U.S., that's something that I do all the time. When I have a problem with a company, I call directly and you get a startled response. So I thought I'd shake them up and it worked. And now I have a job. So... I'm like, okay, you know, you take the girl out of Chicago, but you can't take the Chicago out the girl. Now I'm gonna get me some. <laughs> I'm gonna get me a job. <laughs> All right, people, go get you a job just like Diana. Make it happen. Sometimes you got to change it up. But next we have Jackie, who I think gives amazing advice for anyone who's listening who's feeling anxious about how they may support themselves abroad. Definitely have a listen. And so to Black women who want to do it, there are a couple possibilities. Like some people don't necessarily want the quote unquote insecurity of doing it for yourself. Like I am an entrepreneur. I make my own money. I choose my own schedule. So for those who aren't ready to take that leap, I say remote work is such a big possibility. Actually just getting a job where you work remotely for a company that is hopefully like U.S. or European based. So you're either getting paid in euros or you're getting paid in dollars because euros and dollars will take you far. And it's just figuring out which company, if that is the path you want to go, is a good fit for you. And right now during COVID-19, it's such the perfect time to do it because most people are working remotely anyway. And you can have a conversation with your boss or your employer about working remotely. Like that is not a foreign concept that people don't understand how that's possible. You can do your work and not be in the office every day. So to me right now, I feel like people who want to make that leap are in such a better position thanks to, there's not too many things you can thank COVID-19 for, but thanks to COVID-19, people who want to work remotely are in such, such great position to actually start having those conversations about transitioning to working from anywhere in the world in their current job. Then start making plans of where you want to go to and how you're going to get there and understanding why you want to do it. And if you're someone who wants to be like me and it's like, I don't want to work for anybody else again in life, then just figure out what inspires you. What are you passionate about and how can you monetize that? I am a big advocate of journaling. I tell every black woman I meet, if you are not journaling, you should be. Because getting stuff down, pen to paper, just your thoughts down, even if you're not clear, you're like, I don't know what my skill is. What do I have to offer the world? If you just write it down, even if it doesn't make sense, just write down things you like doing, enjoy doing. I guarantee you, if you journal for 15 minutes a day for two weeks, at the end of that two weeks, you will be so much closer to understanding what you want to do in life. And it may be you want to teach people how to sing and you can make money teaching people how to sing online. Whatever it is, just go out and do it. I truly believe if you're not doing something that makes you happy, you ain't living your life right. Uh, first thing is to believe you can do it. If you have the belief that you can do it, you are capable of anything. And I say that again, again, particularly about black women, we are miracle makers. I mean, we truly turn garbage into gold, lemons into lemonade, like those things are very, very true. And you just have to believe that it is possible for you because I think everything that manifests itself in this world begins with the thought, the idea that you can do this. I, I think that's another lesson that really was honed in from my years in you know, Silicon Valley, right? All it takes is an idea. And that idea can be big or small. That idea can be something as simple as you want to wake up every day filled with joy, 
or it can be something like you want to change transportation on this planet from how people get from point A to point B, that Uber story. And it can be, I want to make the best life for myself abroad. And once you actually believe that that is possible, even if you are currently abroad and you're like, how am I going to continue this? You got to start with the belief that not how am I going to continue this, but I'm going to continue this. No, let's figure out the ways why and how. It's all about that mindset shift because I know when I started shifting how I contemplated different problems or trials and tribulations that I was going through, when I was very affirmative that, yeah, I'm going to get through this. Yeah, I'm going to do this. Then the universe just started opening up doors for me. The universe, God, my ancestors, my spiritual guides, they just started showing me the path. I would also say, just don't be afraid to ask for help. Reach out for help. Ask people questions. I mean, even me, I'm always happy to chat with somebody for 10, 15 minutes. My, and my day is hella busy. But most people, if you come at them the right way, they are more than willing to help you figure out and do it. Because you can't be an expert on everything. Sometimes you're going to struggle. Sometimes you're not going to know exactly what to do. But again, if you came with the mindset that it is possible, then a way will present itself. Those doors will just start opening for you. Yes, yes, yes. I completely agree. You must be clear about what you want, the vision for your life and what you want to do. Once you are very clear, you set that intention, a lot of things start moving. And you may be thinking that's well and good, but maybe your profession is something that's not usually digitized or digital. Maybe it's usually face to face. How can you go abroad? Well, there are plenty of ways to think about going abroad, but next we have Cinnamon. I think she gives spot on advice on how to become an entrepreneur and go abroad. Have a listen. Well, I guess the thing first would be if you are in like the professional services, your lawyers, your accountants, your doctors, what have you, you actually are at a huge benefit because there's a lot of people that need your expertise. You just have to digitize it and tell the audience that this is what you do. So for example, let's say you're an accountant and you have a lot of tips for small business owners. Now, accounting is gonna be different based on what state and what country and all that other stuff, but you can market to the audience uh, that you live in if you wanna do that through ads, online ads, you have a very specific way of marketing to people who live in certain zip codes. And you can create digital product. You can create workbooks and guidelines and books specifically for small business owners and sell that. Or you can still consult to these small business owners and sell that. I think the thing that a lot of small businesses struggle with, like marketing and advertising is just, they don't even consider it. And that's the way that you go from having five clients to having 30 clients to scaling. People need to know about you. And the way that digital marketing is at this point, you can get so detailed. If you want to be in front of a woman who has three kids, who went to this school and has friends that live here, you can literally do that. <laughs> like marketing has gotten so absolutely specific right now that you can be in front of whatever audience you want. Now, the key is you have to give that audience content that is valuable to them. And then once you build a platform of the audience, they're going to tell you what they need help with, whether you're doing YouTube videos, whether you're doing 
blog posts or podcasts or whatever, you're going to start to hear the same question over and over again if you've done a good job of niching your market, of determining who your target audience is. They're going to tell you. They're going to say it in the comments. They're going to be in your emails. And then you're like, oh, okay, y'all need this. And then you develop that product. But it's so many things that you can consider. If you're in a business and let's say you don't have a professional degree, this is Google world. You know what I'm saying? Like you can learn a new skill. If you want to learn digital marketing, Google got a free certification. Google it. You know what I'm saying? You can start showing people how to do Google ads and, and how to get more people to their business. You can do a variety of things. You just have to know that your money doesn't have to come from somebody telling you this is what you got to do. If you know how to problem solve and you see your audience with a problem, fix it. Find out what it is and fix it. And if you already in a certain industry, think about the problems you have in that industry and how can you solve. And also think about the software you use in your industry, because there are a lot of software companies that offer um, affiliate commission, of course, is one name for a referral commission for referring people to their business. And software businesses are awesome because usually to be efficient in your business, there's several different softwares you probably use. And all of those programs have an affiliate program. So if you create content or show how you may use this, this software or how you can use it more efficiently, the software company takes notice and you get affiliate commission off of the people who start to sign up for the software. So there's a variety of different things you can have going for you at the same time. So you're not just trying to get money from one area. And you just have to sit down and look at that. Like, okay, maybe you got some money coming in from YouTube. Maybe you got some money coming in from these affiliate links. Maybe you have some money coming in from digital products. And maybe you have some money coming in with some one-on-one -on -one clients that you're working with. You, you like in Jay-Z words, you're a businessman, woman. You know what I'm saying? So just like businesses have investments, they have various departments, various products. You are that business. And you just have to think of yourself as such. You are not just a gopher that just does what someone tells you, you run back and do it and come back. That's not your life. And you got to know that before you want to succeed and and being big on your own self. I have some advice for people who are wanting to go abroad and don't really know how to get a job abroad. And those that are wanting to career transition, because I see it kind of all the time. I see people in the forums, they are kind of spinning their wheels trying to figure out how to do exactly what they're doing in their home country abroad and that kind of limits their searches and they're not really thinking broadly and I also see it especially here in Spain where a lot of people come to Spain on the same visa and the same program that I came to Spain teaching English on a student visa and not really understanding how to flip it, not knowing exactly how to go back into their career field, or maybe even people who are here just to be digital nomads, have some savings, but are not able to secure remote work. I think there's probably a commonality in all of these people and their approach. It's definitely not a lack of ambition or effort I think it's just unfortunately misdirected effort and kind of spinning your wheels may exhausted and not seeing any kind of return on that effort, on that investment. And so I have some advice because when I first came to Spain in 2017, 
before I even started the language assistant program, I actually had a phone interview with an intellectual property boutique uh, law firm based in Madrid. Now, I will admit it didn't go further than that, but I landed that. (laughs) I landed it by networking. And then when I was in La Rioja, I turned, you know, friendship and conversation into a writing gig, which then turned into a fully remote position that I got completely remotely. I did not go on a job board. I did not do any of those kinds of things. This was all through networking. And most recently being offered a position in Barcelona, not remote position, but working in country, in an industry that I hadn't worked in for a long time. That position, it seemed really cool. Unfortunately, it broke down when it came to compensation. And that's something for you guys to think about, and that's something I'll discuss as well. But this is something that's definitely doable, right? And I have my own business, and I work remotely I work online this is definitely doable but I'm finding that a lot of people are just not being strategic in their approach and when you're not strategic then it's kind of like I call it like the buckshot approach and I'm southern so bear with me so buckshot is a gun a type of ammunition that scatters everywhere and it's not it doesn't like hit an aim it scatters As opposed to a sniper approach, which would be right on target. You're just hitting exactly what you're meaning to to hit. And I'm not like a huge, I know I'm American, but I'm not like a huge gun-toting Southern girl. It's just this is what it comes to mind. But I think that has been the difference for me, at least. So networking. When I knew I wanted to move to Spain, I immediately started networking online. Now, what is networking online look like. Networking online means to do preliminary research, Google, to understand the region that you want to go or research various regions. Understand what your job opportunities look like. What are they doing with your kind of skill set in your industry or what does your industry really look like in this particular region? And then going into A lot of different forums. I really enjoy LinkedIn and Facebook. I think Facebook groups are actually a wealth of information if you know how to work them correctly. Now, going into a Facebook group and just posting, hey everyone, I want to move abroad. I don't know how. Can someone help me? Is not a great way to to get a response. Having very abstract questions irritates a lot of people and but also it opens you up to people you know pitching their services which is completely understandable if you have no idea where to start and you are clearly not willing to do any research then you should hire someone who's going to hold your hand throughout the entire process now that's not what you're looking for if you're looking for free information you're gonna have to do a little bit more work you really are because you're looking for free information You're looking for people to stop doing what they're doing to help you out. So if that is the case, then you want to make it as easy as possible for people to help you out. How do you do that? Well, the first thing you do when you identify some Facebook groups that 
kind of fit the profile and where you want to go, whether it be an expat group in a particular city or country or a general expat group, or perhaps an international association for your industry and your profession, the first thing to do would be, in my mind, to do something that a lot of people don't do, which is obviously read the rules of the Facebook group. (laughs) Like you don't want to piss off the admins or the moderators of the group. Understand what the group is about before you kind of just fling yourself in there. I know it's not cool or popular but it's one way to actually be seen and not get flagged and not get kicked out of a group the second thing would be to search the group all of your questions that you have hopefully already used google for should have now been made more nuanced and these nuanced questions don't go in facebook posts no they go in the facebook search of these groups Okay, you ask these questions in these groups that way. You put in your questions and you look and you read threads. After you even do that, and which I think should probably pop up lots and lots of information, you read through the threads and then scroll the group. These are things that can help you assess whether this group is even you know, going to be helpful for you or not. If it's going to really provide the kind of information you think you're looking for. And I say you think you're looking for because I think that until you are settled on a specific region, a lot of things are kind of what you imagine them to be, how you want them to go, how you expect them to go without any real research as to industry or culture or, you know, work style. A lot of the questions, a lot of assumptions you have are just made up (laughs) until you actually talk to people and you actually do that research. Another thing I would recommend is after you have done that, then you can post in the group, introduce yourself, and talk about what you're looking for, but also what you have to offer. Yes, yes, yes. A lot of people forget to add that part. A lot of people do not put anything down where they can offer to the group. Regardless if it's an expat group and you're not an expat and you've never been an expat and maybe you've never traveled before, there is something that you can offer to the group. There is. If there isn't, then you shouldn't be a part of the group because it's really about a mentality. It's a give and take. And you want people to share anecdotal information. You want them to be able to really help you out. And some of you may be looking for connections on the ground for visits or even for when you move. And who wants to connect with somebody who is just a taker? Like, am I really going to respond to a post when someone's just like, what can you guys do for me? Figure this out for me. And oh, I'm moving to this city. Who wants to hang out? Like, I, I do not want to hang out with you because you're probably going to expect me to take you around the city like I'm some kind of tour guide and I'm not. And that's all this relationship's about. It's about you. So you have to think differently. You have to think about what can you do for the group or whoever's scrolling by and who wants to throw their two cents in. So that is what I did. I did all of these things. I posted in groups. I introduced myself. I talked to people about the things that I had done. And I actually said all the things I could help people do. I said, hey, if you're interested in startups, if you, if you start a business, if you have any questions, these kinds of things and business strategy, hit me up because I love talking shop and I'd love to get to know you, which actually helped me make friends. 
I had friends in Barcelona before I even moved to Spain. Because remember, I moved to Spain, and then I lived in northern Spain, and then I moved to Barcelona. And I had friends before I even moved to Spain. Friends I had never met, and friends I had met straight up off of Facebook. In a group, talking shop, Skyping, getting to know what the economy was looking like, knowing what the job industry was. I met actually professional peers, people who were business consultants, people who were into startups, stuff like that. And that's what I did. Through these connections, meeting all these different people, I actually met someone who reached out to me and was like, hey, Christine, when are you coming to Spain? Because my friend has an opportunity in Madrid in an intellectual property firm. Are you interested? This is what happened to me. And I was like, yeah, yeah, please connect us via WhatsApp. We connected via WhatsApp. We chatted and then my information got passed on to a phone interview. Like I said, it didn't progress past a phone interview, but my experience is actually quite unusual for a lot of the forums that I read. A lot of people don't even get that far, especially not on their own, not with having a company backing or maybe an organizational backing. I did this on my own and I made this happen. So I'm just saying... That it's possible, but you have to be strategic about what you're doing and how you're putting your effort into. It's the same amount of work. It's just one actually produces results and the other one doesn't. And that's the difference. Now, when it came to moving to La Rioja and networking and making friends and getting my next position, I think it's really important to one, be genuine. Networking is relationship building period. It doesn't have to be stuffy or strange. It doesn't have to be stilted. It's just relationship building. Get to know people, chat with them, see if you like them. If you don't like them, then don't continue to try to relationship build. Because why? Why would you do that? So that's what happened. I was just building a relationship. I was building a friendship. Me and my friend, we were both into fitness and wellness. And so participating in those things and then talking about careers and jobs and things like that came naturally. It came naturally. And me offering my two cents and certain things came naturally as well, which helped me be in position for when there was opportunity to write for the organization to be pegged for it. And then also for when there was an opportunity to work as a sales and marketing manager and really business strategist, I was pegged for it as well. So when you think about it, I think it's important to position yourself always with one, people that you like, but also professionally with people that are doing something that you want to do or in a realm that you want to be in. My friend had a completely remote position. She was working as a language assistant, but she had a completely remote position. So... Of course, I was very intrigued by that and I wanted to know more. That wasn't the only reason we became friends, but that's what I'm talking about. You have to position yourself around people who are doing the things that you want to do and making it happen. In regards to landing a job in country, I think that my American ambition and I don't know, I guess just persistence really helped me out. To make a long story short, 
the cutoff for this application for this particular position had ended early because they had received hundreds and hundreds of applications. I was in the midst of kind of, you know, self-doubt and imposter syndrome. I was revamping my entire resume because like I said, this was in, in an industry that I hadn't been in for many, many years. So I had to reconstruct my entire resume and make sure that I could really showcase that I had the expertise and I had the skills to do this job because I did. It just I hadn't been doing it for a long time. So I completely reformatted my resume into a skills based resume showcasing line by line everything that they were looking for and i submitted my application late they had already cut it off so i had to find an email on their website and submit it and then i decided to take a chance on something that i used to do all the time in atlanta as an entrepreneur and actually in miami when i was a law student and i was trying to get internships and trying to get mentors which was I roll up on people. That is what I do. I roll up on people because rolling up on people forces the situation. I know some people are like, oh, things go wrong. Things can go wrong. But guess what? At least you know what the situation is. So it forces people to say yes or no. And it puts the ball in people's court. Like, I'm here. Tell me yes or no. So that's what I did. I rolled up on them, obviously very nicely. I had a thank you card because... I am Southern. <laughs> I'm Southern to the core. So I came with a thank you card to thank them for their time for even considering me, which was something that no one had probably ever had done. Like it was completely strange and different to the point where I actually got to sit down with someone that was working there. And she was just like, tell me all about you. And I did. I had an opportunity to sit there and have a conversation about this position ahead of all these people that had actually submitted their application in on time. Now, definitely try to submit your application on time. But if you don't, it's okay. <laughs> I guess I had that opportunity. I, I, I had to sit down and I had to pitch myself. And I had to sell myself, which is something that I'm very comfortable doing. And if you're not comfortable doing, I highly suggest you become comfortable doing because that is just really important in this game. So I did that. I didn't hear back. I wasn't sure if I was going to get it. And then all of a sudden I got a interview request. I met with the CEO. That was really awesome. And then COVID happened. Sucks. And then after a couple of weeks, I actually came in to talk with them again and they offered me a position and we really couldn't go further because of the compensation. It just wasn't what I was looking for whatsoever. And I think this is something that people have to really understand. Now, I understand in Spain, there's a weak economy and people just don't make that much money. But I think it's also important for people to use their critical analysis skills. The company I was, I was considering was not a Spanish company. It was based in a different country and had extremely high-end clients doing very high-end services. So for me, this was unacceptable because I could do math and this wasn't going to work out. I think it's important for you as you're going forward and you're trying to work abroad or find a job abroad to use your critical analysis skills, like try to actually understand the situation, but also try to really hedge your expectations. What can you 
fully expect? What is really going to be able to happen for you in this country? And in what industries? So that you understand exactly what you're going for and what you're up against. And you can really decide if this is even for you. And if it's not, then maybe you should decide on a different country or region. Now, I'm also a business strategist. I've been a business strategist, like I've told you guys, since I was in law school. And I've recently added another service to my business strategy business in which I am really helping women of color, black women, leverage their expertise and talents into viable and sustainable, yes, viable and sustainable online businesses that are not only professionally fulfilling, so important, so important to be doing what you want to do and not just doing something to make some money so you can do what you want, you know, like that whole thing. No, professionally fulfilling and financially abundant, financially abundant in whatever that means to you. And I'm helping women do that. And it's been so, so, so rewarding because I really firmly believe in women of color and especially black women being able to utilize their experience and really work for themselves in a world, in a work environment that just systemically undervalues Black women. It really is just so empowering and it gives me so much joy to help Black women and women of color to really find their voice and find their confidence, to really cultivate a life that they are wanting to live a life of financial wellness, professional wellness. That is what I'm all about. I take a holistic approach to my strategy and I think it's important to think about. And so that is what I do. So if you are interested in learning more about what I do, please let me know. You can find out more information about me at christinejobe.com or you can learn more about the podcast at, of course, www.flourishintheforeign.com, where I'm actually going to be uploading some more great resources to help everyone who wants to get abroad, get abroad and stay abroad. But also for everyone who's listening who is currently abroad, and maybe you're just not professionally fulfilled, right? And maybe like financially, it ain't abundant. I'm going to start uploading some more resources about those topics as well. If you have any questions or specific things you'd like me to cover, let me know. I would love, love, love to help you out in any way that I can. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. It is very different than the past episodes that I have put out there. Let me know what you think. Let me know in the comments of Instagram posts, on Facebook, on Twitter. Email me, whatever you like. Definitely let me know what you guys think of this episode. And if there are other kinds of themes you'd like to see, I would love to hear from you. Also, if you identify as a woman of color podcaster, I would love for you to join me as a member of the WOC Insiders Podcasters Membership. So perhaps you have been inspired by this episode and you're like, how can I put myself out there to market my skills so that people know that I'm an expert in my field, in my niche? How can I reach my target market? I highly suggest podcasting. 
It really works. It's it's been a game changer for me. And if you want to learn about all the ins and outs of not only how to develop a great podcast, but also how to market it and how to monetize your podcast, you will definitely want to join the WOC Insiders Podcasting Membership. If you're interested, please use the Flourish in the Foreign affiliate link, which is in the show notes, in the bio, across all social media channels, and of course, on the resource page of the website. Definitely use the Flourish in the Foreign affiliate link because it is at no extra cost to you, but it is another way for you to support this podcast. And thanks to Zachary Higgs, who produced the music of this podcast, Zachary is just a fantastic producer. If you need music for your upcoming podcast or your upcoming project, definitely hit him up. He is a whiz at music and he can definitely create whatever you're looking for. I will leave all of his information in the show notes. All right, that is it for this week. See you all next week. On the next episode of Flourish in the Foreign. They couldn't understand a black person, specifically a black person that they, in their mind, looked so Tanzanian because they kept telling me, oh, my features were so Tanzanian, like my nose and my cheekbones and all, like they were very specific and they told me exactly which tribe I came from and they showed me pictures. And I learned that there was this thing, especially in the larger cities like Dar es Salaam, that there were some younger people who were trying to pretend to be English and so they would, English and they wouldn't speak Swahili and that was very frowned upon by the older generation so they were wondering was I one of those young people who didn't want to speak Swahili and they had a hard time just explaining to them I genuinely don't speak Swahili like that I'm not African